0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: What is up, everybody? And welcome to the K Golasso podcast. We have a lot to talk about the Gold Cup semifinals. We're going off. All right, everybody, welcome in. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce, two former U.S. internationals. And we're excited. To talk about both of these semifinals, the U.S. beating Qatar 1-0, a lot to get into there, as well as Mexico somehow finding a way to beat Canada 2-1 with a little help from some CONCACAF refereeing. We just like to call it, that's just what CONCACAF looks like, right, Heath Pierce? You got CONCACAF, Canada. (laughs) So I don't know which game you want to dive into first. I guess let's just start with what happened chronologically. We'll go U.S.-Qatar. Now, this was another 1-0 result, three consecutive 1-0 wins for the U.S. And in each game, I feel like they figured out how to get a win when maybe they didn't necessarily deserve it outright. Maybe a draw would have been the fair result in all three of these games. <laughs> but there is something to be said for a team figuring out a way to survive, to to outlasting, to to watching someone take the worst panic penalty I've ever seen and, and somehow come out on the other side of it with a victory. What did you think about this game? Let's get your initial thoughts.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to start with saying that uh, Qatar are a well-oiled machine, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. their buildup play, you know, and we've talked about this the entire tournament of just how most of these players play together in a club. This team spends a lot of time together. This is obviously one of their few, or if not their only uh, official competition before a world cup. I don't think their world cup quality when they're playing against A teams elsewhere, this is the bulk of their squad. Uh, but, uh, for, for this level, for, for the B teams and many of the B teams that came here, they they've competed and they've done well and they played an attractive style. Like they're actually fun to watch. And they had the U S pin back for a number uh, of, of, of situations and, and, and minutes throughout the game. So, uh, I, I have nothing but respect for them, a newfound respect. I've always, you know, uh, I I spend usually Christmas or or so in the Middle East um, for a few weeks and I get to watch a lot of those international games that take place during that period and other club teams that play in the region and I've always had a respect for the style of play because they're just very inspired by the beautiful styles of of the game. So I I really enjoyed watching them play and quite frankly, the US was in big trouble. Um, and I'm also going to say that I'm not sure it was a Panenka. Just looked like maybe he was clipping it high and uh, middle. Like he didn't have the same strike that he did before. He was also waiting a little bit long. But yeah, regardless, let's switch over to the U.S. I'll give you my initial thoughts on the U.S.
1: <laughs> Do it. I,
0: they made a final, right? And I think that's the most important thing here. And each game that went on, we've continued to look at them and go, is this the game they're going to arrive? Is this the game they're going to have the rhythm? Is this the game that they're going to you know, play this team off the pitch or just dominate in a way that you go, this is the U.S., this is the quality of players, this is our golden generation, it's not even our best players, and blah, 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 and all the things we're, we're just waiting on on, on, on on our breaths to be able to say. And it didn't come. But I thought the effort was really good. I thought the response was really good. Uh, from the team. I think we still contri- uh, continued to struggle to find a, a rhythm. I thought this was actually the first game that I thought Sands struggled a little bit uh, defensively. Um, and he's been one of my bright spots for this tournament. There were times that he he was still good on the ball. I thought his passing was really strong, but defensively, he looked a little bit exposed, a little bit um, out of sorts when he had to play against far better opponents and attackers that can beat you one-on-one uh, qatar's movement off the ball creating two v ones uh, in in certain situations just creating those quick little moments where it's one two three passes and they're out and then he's going oh my gosh this is a lot faster than we've had to face so far so overall i i i have a huge respect for getting to a final because i know what it's like to have to grind through results you know what that's like to have to grind through results mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. when it's not pretty uh but at the same time i'm still left with the same uh, concerns going into a final against a Mexico team that we'll talk about that that I don't think had their best night either and also found a way to get to a final on, right. on not having a great night, but also have a number of these players that can and will punish you if you give them uh, some of the half chances that I think Qatar could have finished.
1: What I think, you? yeah, no, with regard to Qatar, first and foremost, uh, well played to them throughout this tournament. I think they opened their opened everybody's eyes in terms of what they're capable of. But I do want to say something about Felix Sanchez, their manager, who – he subbed off Afif, number 11, who I think is their most influential player in the 73rd, 74th minute. And he, he was walking. pissed. And he rightfully should have been pissed because once he went off, we were in complete control of that game. Now, consequently, or at the same time, we we, we made a lot of subs that ultimately, I think, you know, tilted in our direction. And, and that helped out a lot. And I actually have a question for you with regard to Matthew Hoppy and his interaction with Greg Burhalter as he was walking off. But before we get there, I do want to talk about the US and when I think about their start of this tournament and th- when I get on soccer Twitter which makes me laugh for the most part <laughs> it's just so the, like the highest the safest, and the safest place on
0: the safest place on the internet is soccer Twitter Twitter during it, it, any national team it's game It's
1: unreal it is unreal but but I came into this tournament with zero expectations for this team in my book they had everything to gain I want to see what these players can do I want to see how they perform and it's just bitching after bitching after bitching when you go online and you see this oh the geese guys can't do this and they can't do that i'm like dude just relax let these guys figure it out this is an incredible opportunity for us to really find out whether these guys can help us when it matters or not now i think the gold cup matters but for those that don't well then maybe you think world cup qualifying and the world cup matters of course you do so so we have to figure out which players can help it's the same thing with the January camp. Everybody complains, oh, it's Camp Cupcake. I hate when they call it Camp Cupcake, by the way. We're <laughs> I one think of the- you're
0: the one that, did you name it that? Who
1: calls it that? No, I do not name it that, but I have the <laughs> biggest beef with it because that was my opportunity to be around the coaching staff for three weeks and try to win them over. Without, without Camp Cupcake, I never would have been in that position to even get a sniff. If yeah. you get called in during an international break and you've got three days to win a coaching staff over, when nobody's going to be pushing it during training because you want to be save all your energy for games, you got no chance to make the team. So these opportunities, and I think the January camp is very unique and we should take advantage of it. I think we have in a lot of different ways, but this gold cup is huge, especially because our younger players missed out on the Olympics. So we have this incredible opportunity and all the naysayers and negativity. I'm like, dude, you guys, there's so much positivity here and silver linings about this James Sands, for example, you can tell I'm hot about this. Okay. He has actually maybe gotten a little worse as the tournament's gone on. That's something to keep in mind. Right? he's not as sharp he's getting found out teams are maybe starting to target him a little bit and run right at him and trying to identify his weakness how would we know that if we ever didn't get to see him in five consecutive games so these are really important things of note that not only we can see but also the coaching staff as they try to evaluate who our best 23 are heading into a world cup and into world cup qualifying that's all i'm gonna say i will think kellen acosta was fantastic again i thought the subs were spot on i thought they came on and did their job it makes me wonder. If you start them, and we'll get into that, we're obviously going to have a big preview for the final as well. So maybe we don't tiptoe into those waters too much. But I did want to just say that I think that quality of still figuring out how to win games is really important. We're still figuring that out, even though we're waiting until it's later and later in games to do it. But we still haven't given up a goal in the run of play. And that is a tremendous feat. And I think when I think about the players overall, I think Matt Turner stood out. I think Kellen Acosta has really taken some big steps over these last couple of games. And I got to give a shout out to our super subs because I thought they were very, very good. And, and uh, I assume that, that that role will probably continue for them in the final, but uh, they could warrant a start for sure.
0: Yeah. I would say the super subs were the answer to all of the problems that I saw. I, I thought it was a little bit late for some of them to, to come on, but regardless, they were the ones that changed the whole game for me. Uh, obviously Matt Turner kept kept them in the game Amazing made some saves. huge saves yeah. I think he's he is for sure making an argument to be in the best three if not the potential starter of this national team because mm-hmm. he's a playmaker and he he wins games for for the team and you can tell he's he's willing to stay dialed into these moments and say it's not going to be because of me that we don't mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. uh stay in this and and I think that, that that's a type of trait that builds so much trust with the back line of being like that one time that we're going to get pulled apart, you're going to have to be big. And if you're that guy that usually falls asleep during those moments, and there are so many goalkeepers out there that are incredible, but they fall asleep at that one moment that you really need them to make that play. uh, He seems to be up for the task and the pressure's on him uh, right now to keep his team in games who haven't played particularly well throughout the tournament. There's not been one single game in this tournament that I thought, wow, that's the U.S. that we want to see, and obviously it's a, they're a work course, in progress. Right. And you're ta- just like you're talking about Camp Cupcake. This is an opportunity for them to have a long stretch of games. The players are balancing their own benefit of like trying to prove themselves, the team trying to get results. But overwhelmingly, the players have been on social media already, and and they're all excited, right? You think about what you're what it's like for you when you when you reach a final of, of any major tournament. You're not thinking like, man, we're sure lucky to be here. We should be thinking. You're like, no, no, it's a step. It's a step forward. Mm-hmm. You, you set the goals at the beginning of the tournament. Maybe they said semifinal, or maybe they said reach a final and see what happens. Or maybe they say when the final is the goal, but each step along the way, you don't stop to really look back. You, you don't let any of these distractions inside to say like, man, you know, I don't know how we're doing this, but uh, we're going to keep on doing it. You just keep on like step forward, step forward, step forward. And I think that builds an ultimate trust and a belief that you can win ugly that if it's not going to go your way, that, that, that you're willing to embrace that and embrace the chaos. The one thing I will say from both of the games today uh, f- from the semifinal matchup w- was that there was a fight mm-hmm. from all four teams that you could tell this was a semifinal. You could tell that nobody wanted to lose to the other team. There was scraps. There was sort of like uh, what felt like potential for bre- uh, bench clearing uh, fights. And there was just that in- energy in that, that, uh, tension in the air, especially with the U S and Qatar, and, and a lot of moments, you know, getting in each other's faces, Kellen Acosta, just stirring that pot all game long. And that's that fight that you want to see at a minimum. Right. And we know what that's like in front of fans. That's the bare minimum. That's the, that's the, that's the bar alone uh-huh. that you can uh-huh. win most fans and most sports over, which is just put in that shift, show that fight, represent the crest, be prideful of all that. We don't need you to have your best game, every single game. But if that's, if that's the way that you represent this country, that's the way that you represent this crest, when you step on the field, we can deal with flaws. We can deal with all that. And I think that was a, a mentality from the U.S. And, and all the teams that played today uh, in, in the semifinals. That was a thing that I, I, I think really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Kellen Acosta for his antics or his theatrics to kind of ice the penalty kick taker for Qatar. by just What's the penalty? Yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah, for me, it was I don't, a penalty. I don't, th- I, don't, I don't think so. He didn't get the ball, man. He didn't have- He touched the ball. He touched the ball. He got a lot of body,
0: but from the angles that I saw, there is a touch on the ball and even the slightest touch on the ball and then he clears them. And I'm just like, but that's ball. That's ball to me. That's enough ball. I saw one
1: angle where it maybe looked like he touched the ball, but the other ones didn't make it so... Yeah,
0: it was only one angle that I could see, but every time I saw that angle again, it looked like he touched the ball. But either way, it's a lesson learned in those situations to stick your leg out.
1: Yeah, Um, for me, I was actually curious as to why James Sands dropped so deep before he confronted him. Like he, I, I know there's some momentum when you're running at somebody. It makes it a little bit easier to dance around you because you can't really commit in the same way. But I just thought he he could have maybe taken a step or two higher, which then you know obviously could have maybe gotten a little bit more support and quicker from Shaq Moore who was coming in on the other side, and we just had to keep him pushing off to his his weak foot. You know, keep you know him what? pushing away from goal. This is me you know nitpicking.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Interestingly enough, the thing that I, I, I found intre- uh, uh, about uh, James Sands' game today is how far he was dropping off of things. Yeah. He kept dropping back into his own box before reinitiating pressure or, or right. certain situations. And I was yeah. like, this doesn't look like him. He keeps uh, coming so deep uh, defensively before he st- starts to step back out again. And I was like, is, is he? Well, fuster? Miles is Robinson he-? did
1: it too on the on the one that the Matt Turner, great save off yeah. the like, I mean, Miles Robinson was like three yards behind him. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I feel like when I had played in tournaments, And and this is an isolated to me, but just using my own experience where I feel like I got more and more confident as the tournament went along. And or as I got more and more games with Gooch or Eddie Pope, I felt more and more comfortable. And it's almost like we got more efficient and tighter at what we were doing because we were more in tune with how each Mm -hmm. other moves based on the situation. And I actually feel like these center backs, it's, it's not that it's going the opposite completely, but it's not as sharp. It's not getting stronger. At least I didn't see that today.
0: Well, it feels like we're getting by on ath- athleticism, right? We're getting sure. by on individuals making plays as, a, as opposed to the collective unit making plays where you know what it was like. You, I, I played with defenders before that were heroes because they were always in the wrong position and they had to put out fires constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Where I prided myself as a defender is reading the game early enough that there was not a fire, right? You would try to move as a collective unit to be able to prevent scenarios or situations from happening. And then when you have to make a play, you make a play. But it felt... It, it, it feels like this is a result of both of the, both Robinson and Sands just being gamers, right? Being up for the task and the challenge, but the organi- organizationally between them and the, the, the holding midfielders being able to prevent certain scenarios from happening. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more exposed as we, as we start to play against better opponents. And I think same thing against Mexico, um, in the final, we're going to see that. And again, we're going to, we're going to do a full preview on that, but yeah, it, it uh, I think as a baseline, they've both been fantastic. But I think as a back line, I thought today, and I think your theme throughout the tournament of them collapsing further and further on top of each other, again, was problematic from the very start against Qatar where they were connecting two, three, four, five passes on top of the box and combining in one twos and pulling players in and out of spaces on top of our box and getting decent looks against our team that didn't look like we were comfortable stepping out or pressing because Qatar was different than anybody that we played, you know, right. they wanted to draw you in. And as soon as you came in, it was one, two in and out. And that quick type of playing, they were much more clever, much more uh, deceiving in the way that they, they played the game because they play in a very creative uh, possession based attacking oriented style of play. And I think we struggled to really find answers in real time. Obviously you go back, you look at the tape, you say, okay, we got to prevent this. Cause it's similar to how Mexico is going to try to yeah. draw you in, get you to overcommit and then boom, boom, they're out to the other side. And now all of a sudden, what was otherwise a, a, a situation that could have been prevented is now a counterattack on the wing on the other side and now they're bombing forward and i think qatar exposed us in a lot of ways that i think will help to prepare us uh for mexico
1: yeah i agree with you 100 now i just want to bring this up because i alluded to it a little bit earlier matthew hoppy he gets subbed off and he wasn't happy and i wasn't happy either when i saw him going yeah. off i was like how is he going off before areola how is that even possible because hoppy you know he set up daryl dk who for a tapping ultimately wasn't like a Easy tapping per se. I mean, there's still a lot of pressure and some angles mm-hmm. to to take into consideration. But I thought Hoppy was one of our most dangerous players, if not our most dangerous player. So I can understand his frustration. But you, you can't. It seems like he talked back to Greg. He said something about taking him off. And and there's only a few players I've ever seen that do at the national mm-hmm. team level. Level, and they're both named Clint: Clint Mathis and Clint Dempsey. And uh, those guys had a few more caps <laughs> when, they, when they were uh, kind of running their mouths and had proven themselves in a the World Cup. Uh, Matthew Hoppy's done neither, and his name's not Clint either. I just, I, 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 I love the passion, but there's a part of me that also, yeah, you can't do that, you know? So I'm yeah. kind of torn as to how that's going to be handled. I don't know if Greg addressed it after the game or, or, or what, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? And I, I'm really curious if people want to hit us up on Twitter let us know your thoughts about this as well. Well, two things. I I
0: just by chance did not see uh, oh. that situation. So I So he so I'm he came in. off the
1: he came off the field as he's getting subbed off and Greg I think came, kind of gave him the handshake, hey, good game or whatever, and Hoppy said something to him to the point like mm-hmm. Greg reacted not in a positive way. Like, like almost like Greg had to defend himself as to why mm-hmm. he was coming off. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't look like a positive interaction. And it just yeah. felt, I doubt he said anything positive, you know, other than like, Hey, I'm yeah. going after this guy. You should have kept me on or whatever. But even then the coaches made the decision. And on top of that, the guy that came in for him, set up the goal for Jossie Zardes. Yeah. So ultimately Greg got the right decision. But So, so I just, yeah. yeah so it's, it's here, interesting. You can find it at some point when you can see it, it's, it's but, just, I've seen it with Clint Dempsey and Clint Mathis and it never, it never bodes well. It's just not a good vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. When those guys did it, I was like, Oh man, you know, like we're all, you know, I don't know. I just, always- yeah. we've seen,
0: we've seen in the modern era when this happens, a lot of managers will protect that situation and say like, yeah, of sure. course I want my guys not to come off, you know? And yeah. I want them to be heated. I want them to be pissed off that they felt that they have something left in the tank. That's the bite and the hunger that I want from them. And I'm hoping Greg takes it that way. But when it becomes that personal something, you hope that they have some sort of rapport or they have some sort of respect. And the funny thing is about Hoppy is I could tell he's got this arrogance to him when he's on the field, his body language, his chirping on the field, his, his just the way his when he doesn't get the ball in certain spots, you know, you you see his arms and body language do a certain thing that he has certain demands probably of himself and others around him. And I was thinking about that through the tournament. It's funny that this actually happened and I didn't, I, I'm not trying to connect the two to, together because I could be completely wrong and just be reading into to body language um, because, you know, that type of character when harnessed, right, can be a really powerful thing, right? Sure. But it can also be a toxic thing into a team. And and that's the coach or the manager's job to be able to manage egos, especially at this level. But it's not a good look when you're first breaking into the national team, you're in a great run of form and somehow it's, you've gotten into your own head to thinking that you're this indispensable uh, piece of the equation because you've had a couple good games or you've been one of the brighter spots in the tournament right. so far when you've gotten your chances. And I think- that's a learning point for him. Obviously Greg Burhalter spent a lot of his time playing at energy Cottbus, which is a former East German or formerly in East Germany uh, club that's in a blue collar area uh, on the far Eastern border. And it's a completely different mentality. I say that because I also played uh, on in former East Germany and in, in, in the North. And there was just the mentality of just, uh, that I was always perceived with and and people judge me by it, just not allowing those emotions to ever come out. Right. Mm -hmm. And there were times where you just want to like go after the coach and be like, are you serious? Like I'm, I'm, I'm falling right now and you're going to take me out like, or you're going to take me out at halftime and humiliate me in front of all these people type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and I hope that he has a mentor or somebody that can pull him aside or Greg has the patience and time because you, you know how it is. Some managers be like, all right, done. Right. I don't need to see you again. You get a player like a uh, Clint Dempsey who who that's the chip on his shoulder that you're like, okay, of course, just, just go keep doing that. You know, he's one of the few people that I saw argue with Bob Bradley and argue Bob Bradley back on his own positioning on things because he's just like, oh, you want to do this? Let's keep on doing this. And I'll, I got nothing but time. And that rarely works out for a player, right? Like that is just not the power dynamic uh, between a, a coach and a player in any sort of situation because of the signals that it sends out to the rest of the team, right? right if now right, Greg right. doesn't respond, you have you saw it. Obviously, people on the broadcast saw it. The players on the bench see it. The players on the field are going to hear about it. And that's going to be this thing. And you've either got to, he's going to either have to yeah, apologize yeah. or whatever's going to happen. I just hope that it's not something that it, it ends up being a knock on him or a long-term knock on his, his character because of a, a moment of him being, you know, obviously frustrated or feeling like, you know, he he could have
1: done more, had had more to give. Sometimes your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness. So let's end on a positive. The U S won, baby. We booked our ticket to the final. We're headed to Vegas with everything to play for against our biggest rival. And speaking of our biggest rival, Mexico, we're going to get into that game right after this short break.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing.
1: I'm Jimmy Conrad, everybody, and we just actually finished watching this game because we had to wait for it to end so we could do this recap, and I was emotional. This was an emotional game. Two penalties for Mexico, one for sure. The second one, a little suspect in my mind. It got saved, and I think ball never lies, as the phrase goes. Heath Pierce, Mm -hmm. Canada makes a save, but... There's an interesting plot or or storyline or narrative coming out of this where they had to stop the game because Mexican fans here in the States uh, continued to use uh, a slur that is unacceptable. They have been slapped on the wrist, but not really punished in the way that I think could really nip this whole thing in the bud. So what ends up happening is they stopped the game around the 80th, 89th, no, 88th or 89th minute. And that just tacks on all this injury time. And this is really important. Oh, Jimmy, family. by the way, be-
0: before you say that, they have been sanctioned and have to play their first qualifiers in an empty stadium um, already. Um, yeah, from- but they've been doing
1: that anyway. I don't know. I, I don't know. Does that make that much of a difference? Like I that mean, might have hurt you before talking the about, pandemic. You're
0: talking about 90,000 in, in, in Azteca, uh, no, Azteca okay. versus, versus nothing? I think. No,
1: you know it's true. It's true. But I will say that playing in front of no people has become a lot easier due to the pandemic. Like that's something you're actually used to as a player now, which definitely was weird at the beginning, but now I feel like people yeah. are comfortable with it. Your, your point is valid, but yeah. still, is that really going to, like, a qualifier in Mexico City where all these fans that are actually doing this chant, because I don't know if it happens much in Mexico. From, from my friends down in Mexico who go to these games, it doesn't happen down there. It only happens, mm-hmm. it only seems to happen here in the U.S. So yeah. it, it does not really impact in the fans that are actually saying it in, in the way that I think it would hurt the most, let's say. Right. So, so they tack on seven extra minutes of injury time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mexico scores in the eighth <laughs> in the eighth or ninth minute of extra time. Uh Hector Herrera As you scores, do. As, as you do. do. <laughs> Concacaf, uh, Canada, Canada deserved more. I was really really Let's start with them first before we get into Mexico and we'll try to leave all the Concacaf uh Concacafness uh out of this and just talk about the teams in particular. I thought Canada were excellent. I didn't give them much of a chance due to the fact they were missing so many of their players, so many of their key players, but they came to play. They created some great opportunities that they didn't take advantage of early on. And uh, I just, I can't say enough about this Canada team. I really think they've put their flag on the ground as the third best team in the region behind Mexico and the U.S.
0: Yeah, you've been saying that and I wasn't fully on board like I in in, in comparison to where Costa Rica is or Honduras is or El, El Salvador or, you know, some Panama. of the other Panama and the Caribbean nations Trinidad and Jamaica like then I'm like, okay, I get it.
1: <laughs> yes. But then when I when I but yes, I, I get you know, there, but here's, here's
0: my point. I got it then. But that was in comparison to where those countries were at, right? Mm-hmm. Not in comparison to where Canada is at. And this game that Canada played was a perfect example of Canada with that performance challenges anybody in CONCACAF on any day Yep, uh, for a result, home or away, that type of effort, that mentality just that, that fearlessness, you know, the way that they were playing through things and out of things and the, the comfort on the ball, the speed of the game, whether it was Richie, the you know, Hoylet was good. Tejon Buchanan all of a sudden you got people on Twitter talking about how this guy would probably be attractive to teams in Europe. And you're like, yeah, obviously have you not been watching soccer? Like <laughs> why is it a semifinal that now you're like, okay, yeah, he splits three Mexican defenders to draw a foul on the edge of the box. That may have been, uh, uh a little bit inside that didn't get the call uh but fantastic play but they they just rose to the challenge and again we the storyline going in was that they were missing all the players that could get them the result that they needed right and ultimately they did fall short but it wasn't because of those players missing they had the opportunities to beat Mexico they had opportunities to put Mexico away mark anthony k who's just been traded to colorado for you know one of the highest uh, sort of um um, allocation money trades and in, in league history is in the middle of playing in a tournament, gets traded and has another fantastic game where he just, he looks big and you're playing against Mexican players that, that have huge names in our region and, and globally for that matter. And yeah, I, I can't, same thing. I'm all on board with this is, uh, I'm glad you
1: got there, my friend. I'm glad you got there.
0: And I will say, I'm not even saying they're third in CONCACAF with the way that they played, right? That is a team that's going to take points from a lot of people. Yes. You bring, you add some, and maybe the dynamic changes and they go into a little bit, you know, maybe they lose a little bit of that blue collar mentality when they have their full team. I don't think so. I think this is the, the, the scrappy way that they're willing to play and, and compete for every single moment of the game and every single little space. And, They clearly showed a quality that I didn't respect them for, which was, again, being able to play out of tight spaces against a press, the comfort on the ball, building up out of the back, being willing to play direct. They just had all of these different tools that they did at a very high level uh, for the entirety of a game against against a team uh, who was playing in Houston an all-Mexico crowd that was really crazy and really loud, and, and they just stood up to the challenge. And, and again, it, this is not like a, ta- a pat on the head like, oh, it would have been nice. This is an actual pure respect uh, for the way that they approached the game and the way that they played in this tournament.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think also I really appreciated their grit. They never backed down from the Mexicans ever at mm-hmm. any point throughout the whole game and really, I thought, showed some vulnerabilities in this Mexican team that I believe the U.S. can take a look at and, and identify as, Hey, I think we could take advantage of this as well. What I found really interesting just to get into the tactical side of the game for Mexico was the fact that they would even consider playing a high line and inviting the goal that uh, Teon Buchanan scored. Why, why even try to chance holding that really, really tight line? when just, just drop off three or four yards, keep them in front of you, stack them up with your outside back. Don't let them get a run and run at you. I just thought that was pretty naive uh, defending from from Mexico, uh, a little bit too casual and and in some ways a little arrogant like oh, this is just this is Canada, you know. And and what I loved about this game uh, is that this is going to be a proper rivalry, Mexico and Canada. Now, Canada haven't beaten Mexico since 2000. So I just feel like when these two play against each other now, they've got something. There's a little beef there because Mm -hmm. Canada aren't taking any more crap. Mexico, They're not going to be the whipping boy anymore. They're not going to take any of that abuse in, in that way. And, and I'm here for it. And I love it. And when those players come back, when Alfonso Davies comes back and Jonathan David come back, they're going to hear the stories about this game because, you know, those two players watched. Yeah. They're going to hear the stories about this game. They're going to buy in. John Hertzman's done a great job with Canada. And, and I'm excited for the future uh, of Canada. And uh, I do, again, I'm going to put my flag on the ground. I think they're going to qualify for the 2022 world cup for a number of reasons, but I think their quality was on display with regard to Mexico, though, you know, they, they still have a ton of quality. They, they have an identity. And even though they got exposed in some ways in this one, I think they're going to tighten that up uh, for the U S and I think we're going to probably see a game that is uh, filled with a lot of, fights i think we're gonna see a lot of over enthusiasm i guess that's Mm -hmm. a nice way of saying that uh it's gonna get chippy and i love chippy games i love playing in chippy games and i don't want to get into the preview because we'll save that one for the next pod but but what did you see from mexico today that a little stood out for you either positive or negative
0: yeah i think negatively they they were not as sharp as they usually are in possession which gave players like Junior Hoylet and Tejan Buchanan and Jonathan Osorio and Akin Daly opportunities to create one v one scenarios. And I think when, when Hector Moreno and Carlos Salcedo and Gallardo and Rodriguez, when they start to get pulled apart and isolated, they're not great. Mexico is great when they are collective, right? Which is, you know what it's like you beat that first guy and there's a leg coming swinging as soon as you get past him. And he's going to either go ball or body and probably both. And he's covering his teammate. And that's that sort of, well-oiled machine that you get out of them to make sure that like they, they, they want you to feel like this is their house at all times. And if you're going to come into a zone, you better come hard because if you get past one, you know, there's an army of players waiting. And I thought they were a little bit disjointed and a lot of that was the sharpness in their passing. So I think that, that needs to improve. One of the things that I did like about them though, is that Mexico have always seemingly enjoyed the warm embrace of chaos, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, Look, Hector Moreno is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Him and I DM on a regular basis. We have uh, good conversations. That's the flex of the podcast, by the way. Flex of the podcast. Yeah,
1: it's a little flex.
0: You know, it's a little (laughs) small flex. You know, we, we, we did some stuff back in the day when he was at Roma. He was the kindest person. I was like, very rarely. Most of the time, they're like, wall up on you, Jimmy. You know, you've done it for years in media. And this guy was like, I was kind of like, So should we do dinner tonight or like, (laughs) what what, what are we doing later? We're we're pretty much friends now. And I know we joke about that stuff, but very rarely do you meet somebody that you go like, okay, this guy's on my wavelength. And so, but when you see him on the field, dude, he's got no problem getting into a scrap multiple times a game uh, with people and just disrupting the game and that gamesmanship of like, I'm going to get under his skin and I'm just going to keep chipping away at them. And then I'm going to make it, we're going to make them chase the ball for long periods. And so that chaos Seems to always pay off, and you were talking about Canada a minute ago. We we're talking about this rivalry, and and then I go back and I think, well, the problem here with can for Canada is that U.S. got away with murder against Canada in in, in the group stages, mm-hmm. and now Mexico's gotten away. I don't want to say that's a terrible the expression the u.s gets away with uh, you know uh runs away with one that that they otherwise probably should have gotten a draw out of uh and then mexico gets away with one here where i thought canada were a team that competed and, and and deserved to uh get something out of this game even whether that was taking it to extra time and seeing what happens in penalties or even potentially winning with the chances that they have and that's my worry with canada again is like for all of that fight the two games that mattered the most were the U S and this one. And they fell short in both of those. And then we're all going to turn around and say, yeah, but they didn't have their team and they're, de- they're de- depleted and they're defeated and their roster is not as strong and blah, blah, right. blah. And you're like, well, those are the times that this team played so well, but they didn't get anything out of it. And that's where I think Canada needs to improve. And, and Mexico, we're just like, okay, no problem. And then they have you again, you look at the, you look at the roster, Hector Herrera, a player, with the caliber that he has has the ability and the U S has that same quality to create magic out of nothing mm-hmm. in the run of play or against the run of play. One ball hits it. Kripo is a little bit blinded by the shot. He hits it well, but then boom, there you are game over. Right. And it, and it, and it, it wasn't out of this whole like, Oh, they're knocking on the door. They're building up. Something's going to happen. It was like, no, no, no. We've got players of quality that can do that for us. Even we're not having our best games. And that's again, where of course, Canada, we're missing those game changers, but. Where, again, my compliment to Mexico goes in that that uh, just like the U.S., an ability to be like, well, we're still in the final, aren't we? And you know, aren't Canada heading home?
1: So, so I'm just going to jump in, and uh, I, I appreciate those sentiments about Mexico in particular. They do have this unique quality to, even when things are chaotic, to put their foot on the ball and kind of get it all under control again. What I find interesting, though, let's dive into the CONCACAF side of things here. Because I, I love that. I love, I love when we go this route, er, er, Eric uh, Gutierrez should have got a red card. Uh, you know, referee didn't call it or gave a yellow, didn't give a red, didn't even go check it. I don't, if I'm not mistaken, they get into fight. There's a massive fight after Herrera scored and the only person that comes out of it with a yellow card is Crepeau, the goalkeeper for Canada, which is crazy. There's another time where there was another fight on the sideline. There was hands on the throat. There was a hand on the throat. It was was there for like a minute. I was like, like, what is what? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of video evidence that these guys could have been carded or or and eventually, you know, ejected from the game. And the referee didn't do anything. I don't know if there's going to be anything retroactive. Probably not because this is the final that everybody wants. It's the final that it's going to get the best ratings. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, off the field reasons why this is an important game. And so I just I just it's interesting because we, we I feel like we joke about what's happening in Colmi Bowl with Copa America and how this refs down in Brazil this this past summer are out of control. What are they even doing? You know, they're mm-hmm. losing it. And I put out a tweet like CONCACAF refs are shaking hands with Comey Bowl refs because they're on the same wavelength baby I don't know what's going on this just got way out I'll of control you, you want so good engagement on the
0: internet you go you want good <laughs> an engagement on the internet go after referees from two different confederations <laughs> and then bring them together with a handshake and that's that me. will pretty much win everybody <laughs> you know me. that's <laughs> that's sort of like the uh, uh go after that but you're you're right in the sense that and, and the reason, and I'm, I'm not supporting this whatsoever because I, I, I fully agree with you, and I think that there should have been more implications for some of the actions, right? And that embracing of chaos is a very, very thin line between putting your team in jeopardy and just trying to disrupt the team. And there was times there, hand on the throat, things like that, that... It looked like at a certain point, Hector Moreno and Mark Anthony Kay were pulled over to or went over to the ref from the side. And they were both kind of just like, don't do anything, you know, like everything's fine. Let's let it go. Everybody just got, you know, it was kind of like, you know, mom and dad aren't fighting. We just got a little bit frustrated you know, (laughs) type of thing. And they wanted to just uh, uh, let it blow over. But there's still these actions that weren't punished or even reviewed where it's hand on the throat or like players are hitting. And there's like these types of scrap type things that you're just like. Well, what is it? Are we going to go down this route or are we not? Because you're, you're clearly addressing something when you give Kripo a yellow card or you're clearly addressing the situation by feeling like right. you've neutralized it by an action, right? The, the ref has taken an action. But if you're going to take an action, then you really need to understand the, the complexity of the situation. And if you're going to take an action, do so fairly. And, and, and again, I think you can, we can go back to, you know, the, the last decades of CONCACAFT. Of, of uh, being Concacaf and, and and that's what um, that's what you'll see regularly is that inconsistency. But again, uh, f- for me, I, I I fully agree with you, Jimmy. I fully <laughs> I,
1: agree. I, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's disappointing for Canada and from their perspective and the fact that uh, and, and what I wanted to tie and put a little uh, cherry on top of what I'd said to start this whole conversation was that because there was extra time added because of the chance that the Mexican fans were saying, they stopped it. And the only reason that they scored and had the, that extra time to score was because of that reason of that chance. So they got mm-hmm. rewarded in some ways for chanting something that they were supposed to be punished for. And I just find that's, that's as CONCACAF as it gets. So
0: we, we talk about that in the, in the, in, the, in the, in the nation's league also yeah, uh, right, of, right, of like right. how you're, you're actually rewarding good behavior because you go down one nil. And guess what? You just got yourself five more minutes at the end here uh, right, right, to, to right. create a little momentum if something shifts. And so, the, the the only thing about that chant that that I will say that was you know when the when the camera scanned scanned the crowd of how many fans in Mexico jerseys that were El Tree fans that were looking at those crowds and screaming at them to basically stop the stop STFU, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and knowing what that meant and to see people stand up for that in real time, I think is, is an important, just sort of, thing towards progressing obviously you, do, you don't go to Houston again so those people get away with doing their thing right, and right. and then that goes to help the team with added minutes and I think that's a huge issue but you know starting to see people publicly stand up for it because in, in Denver again I couldn't see the whole stadium but I didn't see a lot of people I saw people kind of like going going like this but other like in this one it looked like people were here like willing to fight people to to, to stop this type of thing which I think right. is an important stance it that is. needs to be made Hopefully that continues so though. It's, hopefully... it's a week, uh, it's a week, it's a week sanctioning, but I hope it. Uh, yes,
1: loses. yes, yes. And hopefully that'll get addressed in a more severe way moving forward. If it continues. All right, Heath Pierce, that is the end of our recap. I know I've teased the preview a little bit. That'll be our next podcast. Any final thoughts for you with regard to the semifinals so far of this gold cup?
0: No, we got the final that we wanted, and I'm excited to to, to talk about that. If, <laughs> the best thing that can happen is you get U.S. and Mexico in the same summer, and if you go back to that Nations League final uh, that was on Paramount+, Plus, it was an incredible one, right? It had all the drama that you need, and those players are going to be the same players, whether they're from Mexico or the U.S., reaching out to those players from the Mexican and the U.S. team, reminding them of what that game was like and what they went through and to not go through that themselves. And that's going to create that heated situation again where – If I would be, I'm going to say this right now, I will be fully shocked if there's not a full blown fight or brawl or bench clearing situation that happens in this upcoming final, because there is just some tension in the air that something is mounting and yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm here for it.
1: I can't wait. And I can't wait for our preview that's dropping in the next day or two. So thank you for listening, everybody. I'm Jimmy Conrad. So on behalf of Heath Pierce and myself and Brad, our producer, and everybody at CBS Sports and Paramount Plus, we thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pod. And of course, sign up and subscribe to all of our podcasts on every single audio platform out there. We'll see you next time. Later.